cliffcentral.com. Many of us um, are completely and perhaps blissfully ignorant of what is going on here on our own continent. The international community is maybe familiar with the activities of the Moscow-run Wagner Group, which is an exploitative military force currently active in several African countries, among them the Central African Republic, Mali, Burkina Faso, parts of Libya, and before that, Mozambique, which we know is still unstable. Uh, their role, primarily economic, is to plunder all the natural resources, gold, diamonds, platinum, cobalt, raw minerals, uh, rare minerals that are used in you know all kinds of technological applications. In the process... Mines and raw resources are being taken over by force, and any opposition is summarily dealt with, with no questions asked. In the process, the Russians have integrated and ingratiated themselves with the governments in those countries in power, you know, in various uh, ways, shapes, and forms, just as they've done in in Bangui, which is uh, the first place that they, they got this right, Bamako as well, gradually supplanting the law and order with military force and killing those people who stand in their way, even suspected of opposing their will. In the process, uh, countries and large communities have been subjugated. Uh, the West has yet to raise its voice in protest, even though there are tens of thousands of United Nations troops that are serving in these places as peacekeepers. The irony here is that, simply put, there is no peace to keep because both states are at war in this case. Questioned about their silence in the face of this brutal aggression, most UN officials who are serving in these countries declare that the interference from their side in internal affairs of the nations where they're based is not part of their mandate, which raises the question, how much longer is the world going to allow these human rights transgressions to continue? More to the point... When are African nations themselves going to make a stand? Pretoria, it seems, has no comment to make. Here to tell us about this is South African foreign correspondent L.J. Fenter, who has returned recently from the Central African Republic just a few weeks ago, having had personal experience of a Russian mercenary force that has virtually taken over in the CAR. So, L., it's a great pleasure to welcome you back. And it's very great to have uh, your first-hand experience here. We had you on my show just a short while ago with the release of your latest book. And, you know, I can't help thinking, uh, the Central African Republic, isn't that where South Africa just recently lost some men? I say recently, but in the not-too-distant past. Yes, about 10 years ago, and it was a hell of a battle. Uh, the country had been invaded from Chad and the Sudan Republic by an Islamic force who miscalculated badly uh, in invading a country that was uh, 80-90% Christian or, or uh, animist and they weren't Muslim and they went in and in their move from the north to the south towards Bangui, the capital, they murdered what nobody knows tens of thousands of people and eventually these simple souls, good people that were living their lives, retaliated and they now st- then started to, to murder Muslims in return and of course they, they won the day uh, but the country, South Africa, was caught there with a peacekeeping force. Uh, it was a bunch of paratroopers, uh, a fairly crack unit, and they were small in numbers. Uh, I, it's, it's about 100, I imagine, or less than that. And they fought for three days. They fought really hard. They were caught uh, in their own base, surrounded by what is estimated between three and 5,000 troops, and they battled them away. Now, in the wow. middle of all this, the uh, the local commander, 
he was he's a he's a colonel uh and he was running out of ammunition and he's got some of his armored vehicles and he raced to the airport where the french were encamped and they too were battling and he said to them uh, i need ammunition and the french commander said sorry haven't got any bye-bye and he said okay well i'm pulling out of my unit and you'll open the gates for me tonight with my men and he said whoa 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 how much ammunition do you need anyway that was the end of that. He got his ammunition, they fought off, and then the rebels that would be fighting him stopped fighting him and said, look, our argument isn't with you, South Africans. Our argument is with the government. With Nonetheless, that, a, a heroic fight. And, I mean, this is something that, unfortunately, despite their incredible uh, heroism and, and their, their, their tenacity in, in, a, in a very, very uneven fight, I think most South Africans are blissfully unaware of this. Yes, they, uh, we lost... Oops, uh, 20, a few, 20 men, uh, I'm not sure if it's 18 or 23, those figures come to mind. But a lot of, boy, a lot of the boys were lost. And uh, that was a really bad uh, loss for us, the worst since the Second World War uh, in a single battle. It's alarming. Um, it, it happened just a short while ago in, in historic terms. But more recently, uh, we're thinking of Russian villainy in respect of what's going on in the Ukraine. Uh, it's happening much, much more close to home, and perhaps we should all be paying more attention to where it's happening here in Africa. Why are Russia um, quietly getting about their business, plundering resources and getting away with it on our doorstep? Okay, they start very subtly. Uh, they move into a country like Mali, which is where they, where they began, and they befriend the local government, and they make the point that the, uh, the French their former colonial masters are busy colonizing them once again. And of course, things are not good. There's, a, there's this insurrection going on. Uh, the economy is bad. And they have a willing ear from the ruling government. And they, they accentuate this by saying, listen, let us handle your security. And with the result that France has now pulled out completely from Mali, uh, it's uh, as also in the past few weeks pulled out of the Central African Republic, uh, Burkina Faso, I think, is next. Guinea is uh, heading that way as well. So obviously the tactics that are being used by Moscow with force uh, handed out by the mercenary group Wagner uh, mm. is having an effect. Uh, the second point is that they expect to be paid for this. So they say, all right, well, we don't have to give us any money now, but we need some natural resources. You've got gold, you've got diamonds, you've got other minerals. Uh, we need to take some of those mines and there's no argument. Okay, that's the next step. The third step is um, most of these leaders have come to power by a, a military coup d'etat, an army mutiny. And um, in the case of uh, Central African Republic, there was an attempted coup last April. So the Russians say, well, look, this is not good enough. We don't want you to disappear because you're our friend and we are your friends. So we are going to place our mercenary, our Wagner group around your uh, home and office as your protection. And uh, without uh, that, you, there's a possibility there might be another army mutiny. So, of course, this is accepted as a, within very short time as a fait accompli. And it's, it's, it, it helps entrench the Russians in these countries. So they then say, okay, well, now we'll deal with the insurgency. And they go out, and anybody that's even suspected, they go far and wide, and they, they ask questions. They've got their own spies. 
somebody has been talking to a rebel group, that entire village disappears off the face of the map. You said, that is happening consistently in Mali. You said to me that if they so much as find an, an AK-47 bullet... A single AK. They will, they will torch the entire village. Well, they find the AK bullet. Okay, this is... Who knows? Somebody's been through there. Uh, they dropped the bullet or whatever it is, or a casing. Uh, and therefore, this community must be guilty of having associated with the jihadist rebels. Now, uh, it's, it's, it's actually quite simple. Either you're a jihadist or you're a normal Muslim. But if you are uh, entrenched in a situation where you are murdering ordinary people who are Muslim uh, because of suspected dealings with rebels, the entire community, it doesn't take them very long to become alarmed about who's next. And as it is, the number of people killed in Mali now must be running into more than 10,000, maybe even 20,000. Nobody's prepared to say. And the United Nations has 16,000 troops in Mali. They, they're in various camps. Their role is there, as you mentioned earlier on, peacekeepers. Peace. Uh, they do nothing. They, 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 they go along a con convoy escort um, roadblock or whatever but if you and I are walking within a, a hundred meters or 200 meters of one of these uh, United Nations bases and we're attacked they're not going to lift a finger that's your problem well I mean unfortunately the, the United Nations and all of its various uh, peacekeeping forces across the continent serve as no, no more than window dressing in, in much of that anyway and, 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 and a, probably just a bureaucratic way of showing that someone is at least attempting to seem like the good guys in a situation where they're doing absolutely nothing. Now, frightening as that is, you, you mentioned this Wagner Wagner group. Tell me about who these people are, these mercenaries, and, and you know, how did they come to be uh, Russia's paid soldiers here in, in, in Africa doing their bidding? Well, the boss of the Wagner group is the former cook, Putin's former cook, uh, who's moved up the scale and is today one of the most powerful uh, force figures within Russia itself. Um, he is, um, one, some are saying he's out of, out of hand. And there are members of the Russian army who are totally opposed to him because he's cocky. He created a group of what he called uh, soldiers, but he had to call them mercenaries because the, the regular army was opposed to the to, uh, that was their domain. So he called them mercenaries and he recruited them where they could. And if there was trouble uh, somewhere, uh, Putin would call on this man to go and send these guys in to squash. And they, they did it with a brutal efficacy that uh, is beyond compare. Um, they tried the same, by the way, and this is important to South Africa, they tried the same in Mozambique. Uh, in 2019, that's uh, three years ago, uh, the rebels, the hardest rebels had come through from Tanzania into northern Mozambique, the Cabo Delgado province, which was quite a big news at the time. Yes. So Putin said, all right, uh, this is an incredibly wealthy area for natural gases. Uh, it is one of the world's prime potential sources. And yes. uh, all the big names are in there, the uh, Exxon, Mobil, the French, uh, you name it, they're in there. But the rebels took over and they started killing and drove these companies into exile. 
uh, Russian, Russia decided, okay, it's going to lend a hand. So uh, the Wagner Group arrived uh, in the biggest air force, biggest air base uh, in the country, south uh, south of the border, uh, in the uh, Antonov 124s, and they arrived with helicopter, gunships, armored vehicles, electronic equipment, uh, sensing, uh, you name it. They they arrived at about 200, went north to tackle the enemy. Well, the first thing they did was to start knocking heads together. Now, these heads were Muslim. Because the enemy was Muslim, the local Muslim people had to know what the hell was going on. Uh, and uh, you don't do that, because if you're going to be fighting a war in an African state, you need intelligence. And if you're alienating your single source of intelligence, you're going to have a problem. And that's what they did, with the result that there was no intelligence coming in, the the Muslim people, the Muslim enemy knew beforehand where the Russians were going and what they were doing, and they ambushed them. And uh, there were the figures figures are disputed, but the latest figure I heard was that altogether sixteen Russians were, were were ambushed and murdered, and in a very brutal way, by the way. Some of their heads were shoved on spikes. So that after four months, uh, the Russian the entire Russian force pulled up sticks, went back south, got in their Antonovs and went home. So the model of that story is that these um, these uh, Wagner group people are incredibly good at killing civilians, unarmed people and especially. But when it comes to a good old fist fight and, and conflict in the, in the jungles or in the desert, uh, man to man, they're not. And okay. this is borne out, this is borne out by in Libya as well. Uh, not in the past year, they've had, they've been put on the run there as well. So, uh, their track record as fighters uh, is suspect. So, Al, it's clear that this is just a new kind of colonization, and you know, colonialism and colonization has come under justifiable criticism. And there are a lot of historical revisionists who've considered this to be a very ugly chapter in the history of the world, let alone Africa. But this is a new form of colonialism and well, let me explain let me interrupt you at this point on the colonial mm. thing yes uh, central african republic the russians today control the government from top to bottom the army is under russian leadership yes. wagner group is running the security of the nation the security forces their intelligence their airports uh, their uh, the convoys from the north uh, everything is run by Russians, and the, the so president of the country is surrounded even, by troops. It's not even uh, a colony; it's it's a vassal state, effectively. It's it's effectively a, 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 there's a word for it. I forget. You know, uh, it, it's been subjugated, mm. and there's nobody does a damn thing about it. So. You know what? What is the what is the? Uh, do the people of the Central African Republic have any means to resist this kind of thing? Uh, we know about some of these religious conf conflictual issues that are taking place there. Who are these government people who've been so completely bamboozled and paid off and offered protection in order to sell their country wholesale to the Russians? Well, it starts with the president, and they've got the entire cabinet under their command as well. So if they want a particular area where they, which mining at the moment, they walk in and take it, and they're given full permission to do so. 
if you and I cannot go into the country without a, a, a valid visa, which is issued, uh, which is not issued to tourists, tourists are prohibited. And if you don't have, as I had in getting in there, a United Nations document to allow me access to the unit to which I was embedded, uh, I couldn't have got in either. And they were very unhappy with my presence because I asked questions about it and I was embarrassing, I was embarrassing the UN uh, command there for a while because I wanted to, I wanted to go to the headquarters of the Wagner group and they said, uh, they looked after me very well. Uh, everywhere I went, I had uh, three or four armored vehicles with uh, eight to 12 bodyguards and I wasn't allowed to go anywhere. Uh, they, this is a serious problem. I said to them, I'd been there in 2019, that's three years before, and then, and then in those days, it was also quite bad, also lots of security, but we could take an escort and go and have dinner at one of the posh restaurants in town. Surprisingly, there are still a few posh restaurants. There, there, there were a few. Now, with, with uh, everything closed down at sunset, you can't even go to town after dark, is it? It's just all closed up. So I don't know what's happening to these people. Um, they don't control anything, not even trade. The Russians tell the local traders who they can trade with. Wow. Uh, and that includes all the, the hardwoods that are coming out of the forest, incredibly some of the most beautiful forests in the world from one horizon to another. So, so just explain this picture to us because it, it appears this is either the president or some sort of – That's the president. That's the president. And these people who are guarding him in the in the camo gear. Uh, yeah. That's Wagner he, Group. These are Wagner Group. Troops. He does nothing without being surrounded without Wagner Group. And you see more Wagner Group in the background. Not all of them are armed because they like to make themselves look like the good guys. But right. so you, what you see is only a small proportion of the actual numbers that are there that are present at any one time. And that applies to the few times that he ever goes into the city and that you see his picture on television or whatever. Uh, he's isolated because, uh, as I said, there's a coup d'etat in April. There's going to be another coup d'etat one of these days. But with the Wagner group in trenches, they are very difficult. Um, an interesting thing here is that every time that the Wagner group expands into another area, they take with them a lot of weapons, including um, artillery and uh, explosives. Uh, and the stockpile there in case of another coup d'etat so that they can retaliate from various directions. So wow. it, it's going to be difficult to overthrow that government. It'll be easier to overthrow the Mali government because uh, there's so much uh, dissension within within the forces in the authority. So, I mean, essentially when you were there, despite being given this protection that you just told us about, you, you, you were doing no favors for the UN because they look silly by you know you telling the story they look kind of effete and incompetent and of course you are in trouble with the russians because they don't want you talking about what they're really doing over there either um how how stretched are russia considering especially their involvement in ukraine at the moment and how how much of that their overall resources that's drawing well uh, i interviewed both the force commander and his deputy force commander they are both united nations people and uh, one of them, uh, I won't say which one, because one has gone and one has remained, indicated the arrival almost every day of uh, flights by Antonov 124s, which is an incredibly large, it's probably the largest military freight plane in the world. And it's coming in every other day, uh, three or 
three, four times a week with mining supplies on an enormous scale. He was shocked. He, and I, I, I said to the, uh, I said to the, the force commander, mm. uh, I said, how many mines are there in the Central African Republic? And he smiled and he said, you will not be able to count them. There are that many, which indicates an enormous level of wealth, natural wealth that is being taken out. These planes come in with these heavy mining equipment. New mines are being set up on a scale equivalent to what is going on in South Africa in places historically. And they're taking out the resources needed for the wealth and also, well, diamonds that make a big supply. Well, but I a, mean, the, the, only, the only thing historically that I could even compare this to is, is Leopold in the Congo. I mean, it sounds as, as bad as him with the rubber and, you know, cutting people's hands off if they didn't bring enough home. It's the same thing. I said that it took a, took a bomb bomb. You know, the, 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 it's blatant racism. And this is the astonishing part, astonishing aspect is that we haven't heard a word of dissent from any of the African states. And they not, could be next. Not even uh, South Africa, who, who are supposedly, you know, such a, such a power player at the AU. Has the AU said anything? No. Well, it's the African Union has uh, sort of avoided this issue. But how much longer can they avoid it because of the brutality that's taking place? You see, it's AU is represented by governments. And the governments, that's the, including... Uh, the uh, Central African Republic and Mali, their representatives are there. They're not making a fuss, so nobody takes any notice. But you essentially are one of the first to highlight this iniquitous situation. And, and it's just as well we are, because somebody's got to say something. Uh, now, we talked about the United Nations in uh, Central African Republic. I must, I must uh, add a word there, because I was seconded to a crack Portuguese Para, paratroop unit, the paracadistas, uh, mm -hmm. only 108 of them, but of the best fighting force that I've ever been with, and I've been covering wars for 50 years. All young, all dynamic, incredibly well motivated. If there's a problem in the country, the UN commander has enough sense to send them out to sort things out, and they've done so re repeatedly. This is uh, an example, that photograph there, of the sort of opposition they meet uh, when they set out, uh, they are ambushed all along the way. And, the, and, the, and this peculiar thing about it all, and I checked this yesterday, is that they've been there now for all, five years and they haven't had a single fatality. They've been ambushed goodness knows how many times. They've had a couple of guys wounded and they go into areas that are so remote that there's no helicopter airlift capability in, 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 in regions uh, where, you, where the planes go in singly which is a danger in itself in case of uh, malfunction, uh, mechanical malfunction. It's it's absolutely astonishing to to think about the scale of this this plunder. Um, you know, these mines are just one part of it. You mentioned the hardwoods as well, but the people are bearing an enormous brunt. Uh, you, you know, the humanitarian cost here is uh, for these countries probably the most devastating part of this. Do you think that there will be a, a, a chapter of history written one day? And, and fingers pointed at people who just seem to turn a blind eye, leaders of this country, the Russians themselves, these mercenary groups, the rest of Africa for keeping shtum. I mean, there's a lot of blame that will be passed around one day when the bodies are counted. Aren't, don't you think that that's something that people are thinking about at all? 
not at this point because there is a uh, insurgency going on in that country and in Mali and in Burkina Faso. Uh, mm -hmm. It's hedging towards uh, Ivory Coast, Ghana. And uh, these countries uh, need security forces and the Russians are helping them. So they're not going to interfere with the Russian efforts at stopping the insurgency. And it's especially severe in the Central African Republic because the rebels are active and there's no shortage of recruits. They come through from Chad, all Muslim, and Sudan. And it's a continual pattern. Uh, they wiped out in some areas. They replaced very soon. As we speak right now, one of the uh, troops that I spoke to said to me that as we speak, there are groups of young men coming in through across the border, unmarked from Sudan and from Chad, to fill the gaps of people that have been killed. So there's no stopping it. Because with a massive unemployment, uh, you have any number of recruits, and the Russians know this, so they, they that's one of the reasons why they killed with abandon. Whether so, somebody's going to record the situation, well, I'm trying. You're, you're the only one who's doing it by the looks of things. Yeah, for now. Of course, you can't, the journalists can't get in. Yeah, of course. I mean, you mentioned earlier that if you didn't have the contacts that you had and you weren't chaperoned along the way by the kind of protection that you have, um, there's just no way for ordinary people, especially journalists who are going sniffing around, to even have the chance to get into these places. Well, there's some terrible stories about guys, young people, to students, like, and we've seen it in the past, in Europe or America, wanting to travel across Africa, and they come across that border from the Cameroons, for argument's sake, and they, they, they don't have a visa, so they say, well, we'll smuggle ourselves through to the Congo. Well, they're arrested, and they, there are people in jail there now that have been who knows for how long. Quite a few people have disappeared. Um, as for journalists, well, you don't ask questions. Uh, the Russians themselves were interested in what Wagner Group were doing. So in 2018, they sent a three-man television team uh, to the Central African Republic, and they, they nosed around. They started taking photographs. They went to the headquarters. They spoke to the leaders. And then they were invited to meet one of the rebel groups in the jungle, and they're taken there in the evening. And their bodies were found several days later. Uh, a big scandal in Russia, really big scandal. So there was an investigation, and what emerged was that they had been lured, and the people that killed them were white. And we don't have to think very far ahead as to whether that was Wagner Group or not. So, L, we're, you know, power bores a vacuum. And um, in places like Mali, where the, the French are now exiting and, and, and obviously the central. Yeah, they're gone. So, so when there's this vacuum, this is being filled at the moment by Russia. If they cannot sustain that, it all collapses again. What does that mean for Russia? If one country that they're trying to plunder and subjugate the way that you've described, if one of them fails and collapses, does that mean all of them will like dominoes? Okay, I'll go back to Mali. Mali is the biggest mistake that the Russians have made in Africa. The French left in a haste. They took with them most of their, their uh, aircraft. I think there's still a few aircraft around, but all their forces have left. Followed this morning's, by this morning's news, uh, they've listed all the, the, the European countries that are pulling out as well. Britain taking with them their Chinook uh, heavy lift helicopters, which are vital for moving troops. Uh, the Germans, the Italians, uh, you name it, all the Western forces, Canadians, are pulling out of Mali. Now, 
Russia has to fill that gap if it's going to continue fighting the war. It's already under pressure in, in the Ukraine. Uh, it is sending in uh, more Wagner troops, but they are really, they're needed in Ukraine. And also, they don't have the mechanics, they don't have the wherewithal aircraft, uh, ground vehicles uh, to replace what the French had taken out. So, having alienated the bulk of the Muslim population, because it's a Muslim country, they're getting no support from the locals. And they're going to, they're having to fight a war, the same war that the French were fighting and the British, uh, with their limited resources. And they are not going to be able to handle it because the entire nation is now turning against them. The only friends they have are sitting in Bamako, around the president's palace and around, around parliament. Uh, you can't go on the roads without a convoy. And that involves the United Nations who don't want to fight anyway. Uh, they'll send somebody along on a convoy trip, but um, we know what that's worth. So, Al, you, you've been to so many different places. I'm just trying to, for those of us who don't have a context for the Central African Republic or for Mali, you know, if you had to describe the worst places you've ever been, and you've been in plenty of horrible conflict zones, when we think of failed states, there's that failed state index that they publish every year. Um, where would you position these countries in terms of just how completely hollowed out the the, the idea of, of any order at all happens to be. How anarchic are these places, um, with or without the Russians? And perhaps you can give us an idea of, of whether or not they're contributing either way. Well, the French and the, uh, and the British colonial colonies, former colonies, uh, were very well ordered. Uh, they left uh, both both European nations left their their uh, colonial uh, descendants with good infrastructures, and that has persisted. But with the incursions of Islamic forces, and that's basically the root cause of the, the problem that's coming through now, uh, they not these countries aren't able to handle the situation on their own. And whereas the French was helping them, and they've been kicked out of some of them, or they've left voluntarily from some of them. Uh, they're not able to help this on their own, which is which assists the Russians. But the Russians don't have the wherewithal. Uh, they don't have, you know, the, the French had 5,000 well-trained troops in Mali. Uh, and and uh, the same, they had quite a hefty force in, in Bamako until a few years ago. So what is left is a remnant of which the European community is trying to train. But that too is a failed source because... Uh, if you take one example, a few uh, last year, the uh, top military man in Guinea attended an American training course for commanders. He went home, and the following morning, he launched his coup d'etat, which replaced him in power to what he is today. So uh, you don't know who you're dealing with most of the time. Uh, they're all potentially anarchic, uh, and and of them all, uh, the poorest and the saddest of the lot. Is Bangui. I cannot explain to you how pathetically poor those people are. They have next to nothing. And now they can't do business on their own. They've got to go through Russian middlemen, who, by the way, represent all the Asian countries that are taking the hardwood and so on. So it's a sort of a lost cause and it it's silent because the press, New York Times still has to do a major feature on it. And so does so do all so does the entire Fleet Street or what's left they've all moved on from Fleet Street, but you know what I'm getting at. 
Well, thank goodness that you're able to tell us these stories now. So what, what is your prognosis? I mean, you've seen in your years on, in, in the field as, as a journalist, you've seen how these things play out. What do you foresee happening here if, let's say, Russia's luck improves in the Ukraine? And what do you see happening if Russia continues to, uh, to lose territory and to lose men in, in the Ukraine? Do you think that that will remove their focus from here or is this a completely separate issue? It is a completely separate issue, but they still need resources, and they don't have those resources. And that is what I said, they made a big mistake. Without those resources, they cannot hold Mali to start with. And the, if, the, if the insurgencies, Islamic insurgency, is moving to such a scale that Ghana is now sending troops north towards Burkina Faso, and so is Togo, and so is the Ivory Coast, and so is Senegal. They're all alarmed, heavily alarmed, at the removal of the French. The French pulling out. Uh, they now have to look after their own affairs. So, of course, the Russians, the, the, these countries are now turning towards uh, Britain and America and saying, hey, uh, this is a catastrophe. Uh, we need help. So, there's a change. Suddenly, the West is going to have to become involved. And that is the theme that I'm working on a book right now, where this will be the next war for the younger generation, because uh, everybody wants a piece of the African cake, there's a lot of it, but not on the terms that on, on Russia's lack of terms. It's such a sad story because, you know, Africa has already emerged from, well, just got its head out of the, the water in terms of years and years of this kind of exploitation and plundering and uh, only to find themselves knee deep in it again um, with the Russians. And, and it, it seems to me that there isn't enough political will anywhere to prevent this. So Russia seems to, you know, do this within their own sphere of influence in Asia, but they're now also doing it here in Africa. And we were to think we were worried about the Chinese taking advantage of African resources and, uh, you know, buying up and leveraging, giving money and, and taking as a security, things like ports and bridges and that kind of thing. It, it appears to me that this is a, a almost a much bigger and much more deadly story and people are just ignoring it. Well, uh, You've hit the nail on the head. Uh, unless something happens and the Americans are pulling their hair out of the sands, they have to take part. Uh, there's a lot of new training programs focused on Africa. An interesting thing here is that I went to uh, the United States uh, October, a year, uh, the previous October, uh, and I crossed the border uh, from Canada and I was pulled aside by two security guys, and they said, uh, may we talk to you, Mr. Penter? I said, sure, but I said, my visa's in order, so what do you want to talk about? He said, no, you've just come out of Mali. I just come back from Mali this, that October, and yes. this was November. And you've just been into that war in Mali, and do you mind if you'll talk to us? So they took me into the back room, and for the next two hours, I debriefed them, not senior people, but ordinary, good, solid security people. And they said to me when I asked them, why? They said, because Washington is Africa blind. They're not interested. They're interested in what's happening in Russia and what's happening in China. They're putting Africa on the back burner. That is, that's 18 months ago. That is now changing. But to, for it to change effectively, somebody has got to get to grips with Wagner Force. And that somebody could be private military companies. And we, I cannot stress that strongly enough because a good 
fighting force of PMCs, private military companies, they stopped the war. They stopped 18 years of war in Angola. They did the same in Sierra Leone. They pulled the rebel, they pushed the rebels to the negotiating table. They did the same in the in the in Nigeria with uh, with uh, Boko Haram. They they lasted for six months before they they somebody pinched the money that was going to pay them, and uh, they pulled out after six months. But in six months, they did more than the Nigerian army and air force had done in six years, and a good, strong fighting force, aviation orientated, could tackle the Russians on their own ground and their own on their own terms. The problem, and I know these people because I've been to war with them, and they're all professional soldiers who've seen good service all over. Some of them are even fighting today in Ukraine. Um, they, they, one argument is that uh, even if they had helicopter gunships, they fear the modern weapons that are that Russia has at its disposal, and that is a bit of a, uh, a problem. But operating clandestinely and hitting, coming across the borders from the south into Mali, for argument's sake, mm. uh, you need friendly neighbours. You could knock, you could knock out some of their planes on the on the airstrips, uh, unexpected, because the Russians aren't the most organised fighting force in the world. And I mean, we have we have jolly good evidence of that in Ukraine right now, and I believe. A solid private military force could tackle the Russians on their own uh, uh, ground that they've claimed now as as their property. So it can be done. It's just will anyone have the political will to make it happen? So, Al, this is frightening. I know we've only scratched the surface, but I think to expose these kinds of things, and and I marvel at you going into these places, uh, you're unstoppable. The last time I spoke to you, it, it, it appeared to me that you had decided that these days of adventuring in dangerous places were, were maybe coming to an end, but here you are doing even more of it. Um, I, I encourage everybody to follow your work, to read your books. You said you're working on a new one, and we will obviously keep in touch, and, and should you have any updates for us, I'd love to hear from you. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. Maybe you want to consider coming with me into uh, Central African Republic, because... Uh, I can get us in. Uh, it'll it'll be interesting. I'd be all for it, uh, as long as I'm not a, a hindrance and I don't get in the way and you don't uh, have to send one of those letters to my parents that I'm dead. <laughs> well, we won't talk like that anyway. There's no um, guarantee. No, that sounds that sounds very interesting, but please keep in touch. We, we def- definitely would like to hear any and all updates that you might get from your contacts there or your own trips into places like the CAR. Thank you, Gareth. That's a pleasure. Very good to see you, Al. Thank you.